Greetings, everyone. I'm William Brent from Power for All. We are very excited to be joined in conversation for this episode of our podcast by Dr. Roberto Ridolfi. Dr. Ridolfi is the Assistant Director General for Program Support and Technical Cooperation at the United Nations Food and Agricultural Organization, the FAO. He was previously Director of the European Commission for Sustainable Growth and Development. And he has also worked extensively overseas, including many years stationed throughout the Pacific and Africa. He has deep experience in climate change, food security, human development, transportation, migration, to name a few areas of expertise. Thank you so much for joining us, Roberto. Thank you. Thank you, William. It's a pleasure. So according to the FAO, uh, in developing countries, as we approach Global Food Day, uh, according to your statistics or your estimates, 40% of food loss occurs after harvest and early on in the supply chain, translating to more than 250 million tons of food waste annually, mostly because of inadequate refrigeration and unreliable and expensive energy supply. That is an astounding figure or figures. Um, and I'm wondering, just from a high-level perspective, uh, how does you know, in more specific terms, how does poor access to energy impact food and nutrition security and agricultural development specifically in emerging economies? Thank you, William. This is a key question. And the short answer to your question is uh, it impacts in a very, very big way. Um, I thank you for the introduction. In my previous capacity, uh, in uh, the European Commission. In fact, I was uh, dealing with energy and renewable, sustainable energy in particular. For a few years, uh, we conceived and we have written down the policy of sustainable energy, and we were among the first to be in the sustainable energy for all of the United Nations already back in 2013. So that experience from the energy point of view was catalytic to my position today here at FIO because by then we realized that uh, uh, access to energy, especially in decentralized energy, so in remote locations, in rural areas where the grid doesn't work, is fundamental not only for the planet and the CO2 emissions, but even more importantly for food security. The figure you mentioned is correct. 40% of the food is lost in early stage of the value chain at farm gate, before farm gate, at the farm, in the farm. And therefore, this is something that must be corrected. But where is this loss? It is in big uh, farms, in big operators? No, this is uh, among the 780 million smallholders that are actually, most of them, suffering hunger. So it's not only a priority, the access to sustainable, uh, renewable, affordable, modern energy for smallholder farmers and livestock elders and fishermen. Fishermen. I mean, Lake Victoria in Uganda, a country that I know very well and I love. Lake Victoria needs access to energy. Uh, in these islands where there are thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people, they need access to energy in order to uh, refrigerate the fish that has to be then uh, sold to the markets. Uh, not to talk about depots and the value chain, mango. It's such a pity to see mango wasted under the 
wheels of uh, uh, cars in uh, a number of countries in Africa. Why? Because there is no storage, there is no processing facility, there is no energy to enable and empower the economic transformation of the life of many, many poor people. So yes, short, very important. Uh, you know that another figure, um, food loss and waste, food loss and waste together is the third emitter of uh, uh, CO2 gases in the planet. So you have two big countries, which I will not name, and then third in the rank is food loss and waste. So that's enormous. Over to you. Yeah, that's a wonderful summary, uh, Roberto. Thank you so much. And I think because of this, this issue uh, on the lack of, of access to reliable and quality electricity to power this productivity and uh, cold storage, there are a growing number of governments, uh, farmers, agricultural companies who are looking to mini grids and other distributed renewable energy solutions to scale their operations and really um, increase productivity uh, across sub-Saharan Africa in particular. Um, have you, has FAO looked at how to, how that access to uh, energy through distri distributed renewables actually has a, a socioeconomic benefit uh, on those communities? Have, have we been able to quantify that? Uh, yes, there is a, 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 a lot of work of analytic, a micro, a microeconomic work done by our CB, uh, our climate change uh, unit. They, are, they have a small uh, team uh, also on energy both bioenergy and, of course, uh, uh, renewable. And the analytic shows that we, should, we could have an increase of 80% on the productivity of rural areas by providing access to electricity. We have uh, nearly one in five people around the world that do not currently have access to modern electricity. And... Very, very often, this one person out of five is a rural entrepreneur, is a small order, is a small order farmers. Now we are looking at uh, um, solutions that empower the transformation of food. The uh, so getting a little bit more of the value in the value chain by the farmer himself, herself, in the rural in the rural area. I think this uh, would be uh, essential for us to make a case, which is a case I have already made in 2014 when I launched uh, in New York the Electrify Initiative. That was the electrifi Rural Electrification Finance Initiative. The business model for a mini-grid in a rural area, a poor uh, rural country in Africa, is a business model that sees the agriculture, the food transformation, as a main driver for repayment of the electricity. So, in a way, is is a loop. You do you do need the electricity in the household, but electricity in the household cannot be afforded without an economic activity which is based on agriculture. So, I, I think that you are spot on into these uh, decentralized services looking at a provision of finance which is also affordable to these people. There is no yeah. way that the tariff of electricity in a, a city coming from an hydropower plant 
or a big uh, solar installation or a wind installation will be cheaper than the tariff of a decentralized solution. So we need the finance to come into the picture for agriculture to become sustainable, avoiding losses and ensuring food security to all. Yeah, that's really uh, well said. So you mentioned earlier uh, the often overlooked impact that uh, food waste and um, loss contributes to uh, climate change and climate emissions. Um, Another contributor to those emissions is diesel generators. And you, you, you're you very familiar, having lived in Africa for a long time, just the, the, um, the incredible amount of, of those generators on the ground throughout Africa, oftentimes powering agricultural uh, production uh, and functions. Have you, have you looked at the benefit of, of trans? transferring from diesel to mini grids or standalone solar in terms of what impact that can make both in livelihoods, improved incomes, etc. I've looked at it uh, right back in 2005. I remind you that 2005 is 10 years earlier than uh, COP21 in Paris and eh, the climate change agreement. 2005, I was ambassador of the EU in the Pacific Island countries. And we had one strategy and only one word, which was to replace all diesel generators in these islands with solar and wind installations. Why? Because diesel reaching a small island in the Pacific is so bloody expensive that already in 2005, without subsidies, the case, the business case for renewable was already there. Now, let's look at the landlocked countries in Africa. Uh, but even Nigeria, you have a diesel generator in Liberia running the show, providing electricity to consumers and to small businesses, selling the thing at $1.5 a kilowatt hour. You follow me? $1.5. We know that the production prices is now down to 7 8 for mini grids, 20 25 cents. We are talking here of diesel generation or even petrol generated electricity at one $1.5. So, so the case is, is done and quickly. I don't need to make a, a pitch on that. Well, given that the, the economic case is so strong, uh, why aren't we seeing a more rapid uptake of these types of distributed energy systems for the refrigeration and cold chain needed to reduce food waste uh, and increase livelihoods uh, in emerging I, markets. I will turn the question to you, William. Uh, we would need a thousand more, thousand and thousands of small, brave entrepreneurs going into rural Africa and promoting this kind of business. We don't have them. We don't have them. We have banks sitting on their money happy with trillions of fetching negative interest rates, and we have only few brave entrepreneurs going into remote places in Africa and struggling to get a license, struggling to get a PPA from the government. So let's look at the regulatory environment at first, access to finance, affordable finance at second, and a lot more brave people going to have risk. This is a risky area, so we need people to take risk. Absolutely. We agree. Risk appetite needs to increase greatly. And we are very excited at Powerfall to working with you at the FAO much more closely to help achieve those goals, uh, Roberto. So we look forward to that. My last question. Um, 
you mentioned that we need more brave people, but there must be brave people out there today and brave countries and governments or subnational governments who are already uh, mainstreaming decentralized renewable powered cold storage, mini grid powered cold storage uh, in the agri-food sector. Is, is there an example or two uh, that you can give as inspiration to our listeners? Well, we are uh, we are having talks with Engie, the the French uh, um, utility company, with Enel uh, Green Power, the Italian uh, utility company, just uh, to scale up on successful pilots that they are uh, exploiting. Uh, I can mention Enel, uh, Enel in Zambia, uh, Engie with uh, with small. Uh, brave operators in Uganda, uh, but of course these are small examples that can and need to be expanded. We count on Power for All to bring many more to the fora and to sort of highlight the benefits that a more prone risk attitude can bring to countries. Regulation is key. And, uh, and so we look forward to engage with countries that are ready to innovate in their regulatory approach, are ready to reduce red tape bureaucracy, uh, and ask from FIO to, 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 to push opportunities uh, for real business cases, uh, building a pipeline of investments. And we are working on that also through blended finance approaches as the reputational FIO can fetch uh, some good uh, grant money from private uh, uh, companies, big corporations, that could be put into blended finance schemes in order to provide uh, affordable finance for risky operations that are so desperately needed in the rural areas of poor countries. Thank you, Roberto. I, I couldn't have asked for a more uh, insightful expert to talk to on this topic. I'm so grateful that you're able to join us. Um, as I said, uh, we look forward to working closely with FAO. And, and for those who want to learn more about the work uh, at the FAO, please go to their website, fao.org. I'm sure there's plenty of information about the great work Roberto and his team are doing there. And uh, thank you so much, Roberto, for, for joining us today. Well, thank you. Thank you, William, and uh, all the best uh, for power uh, to power for all. And I look forward to engage in order to scale up and progress with uh, concrete action. Thank you.